Narayana says it sounds like we're saying that only Vedanta, you'll only get enlightened through Vedanta. That's, is, that, is that what you get? Is that the message you get? No. Well, but, but, but in a way, it's kind of true. <laughs> no, okay, I'll explain why. I'll explain yes and no. See, for every answer, if, if reality is Satya and Mitya, there's two aspects to reality, one real and one apparently real, then there's always, there's always a yes and there's always a no for every question, isn't there? Yes, it can be true from one point of view, and yes can be false from one point of view, and no can be true from one point of view, and no can be false from one point of view. So it all depends upon what point of view you're looking at it from. That's huh? whether, whether the answer is yes or no. Now, normally when a, when a person asks a question, what's their point of view? Person. Person. <laughs> they think they're a person. Huh? Are you asking questions as a self or are you asking questions as a person? Well, as a person, what kind of mind do you have? <laughs> huh? A dualistic mind. A dualistic mind. Your mind thinks in duality. You've lived in duality as a person for your whole life long, huh? Is it reasonable to assume that you'll think from a non-dual position? You won't think from a non-dual position. You'll think from dualistic position. This is why it's so hard for people to understand non-duality. It's not that non-duality is that hard to understand. It's that I'm used to, I'm, my whole conditioning, my whole mental structure is, is set up around this and that. Two, two things, poles, a subject interacting with an object, and, and the belief is what? What's the belief? Now, we think that's the truth. We think, you think I'm here and I think you're there if we're in a dualistic state of mind. And, and, and that's only a belief. See, Vedanta says that's only a belief. That's not a fact. The fact is, you're not there and I'm not here. In other words, from a non-dual point of view, there's no there and there's no here. In other words, there's no duality, is there? From the self's point, huh? Well, you never were never taught to think that way, were you? No, in fact, you never even asked when you came here what kind of thinking you were going to get, did you? You didn't ask your mom, well, hey, mom, uh, I hear there's lots of different ways of thinking. I can think um, impulsively. I can think mechanically. I can think deliberately. I can think dualistically. I can think non-dually. Which one do you think is the best for me to choose? Huh? <laughs> did, huh? did, did, did anybody consult you? Your mom says, well, why? what do you want in life? And you say, oh, I want moksha. And then your mom says, oh, you need to learn to think non-duly. <laughs> and, and then you said, uh, so, so where's the non-dual school? 
<laughs> and say, oh, there's no non-dual schools here, so you have to learn to think dualistically. Huh? Is that is that how it happens? It's not how it happens. You just you just were born here and what? And you think, huh? Either or. Do you love me? Do you not love me? Right? Isn't that how you think? You know, I love you, but no, I don't. From one point of view, I don't love you. From another point of view, I do. I do love you. Understand? So you give the give the yet the you know both and our, uh, answer, and people you know they think you're crazy. Well, of course they think you're crazy because they can't think like that. So now with the Vedanta, this is a very tricky thing. See, because it sounds like we're a bunch of elitists. You know? That 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 we're we're the best. I don't discourage that notion, actually. <laughs> because we are the best in this sense. Because what does Vedanta mean? You see, most people don't... There's two meanings for the word Vedanta. Huh? It means it means a means of knowledge. It means a means of knowledge that is exists at the end of each Veda. There's four Vedas, and at the end of each Veda, there's a group of texts called the Upanishads, and those texts are at the end, those Upanishads are at the end of each Veda, so it means that particular means of knowledge is called Vedanta. So only if you study the Vedanta under the guidance of a guru will you gain moksha, only. So you'd have to know Sanskrit and all that sort of thing. Huh? Is that right? No, it's not right. Because there's another meaning of Vedanta. <laughs> Vedanta. The knowledge that ends the quest for knowledge. Now, can you get that knowledge from anything other than the Vedanta, that's the end of the Veda. In other words, knowledge is the only path, only way. Huh? Now, that knowledge doesn't necessarily have to come through this particular teaching, does it? But you're not going to be set free by anything other than knowledge. And it so happens that this is the best means of knowledge. Why? If you're qualified, huh? why? Because it's totally comprehensive, it's totally scientific and personal. And what? And you get the benefit of a teacher when you when you when you subscribe, when you join or commit yourself to the Vedanta Sampradaya, the Vedanta lineage, then you get a guru with it. Now you're gonna need a guru for what reason? Because there's contradictions, like in the in the in you guys. Most of you guys have been to uh, various uh, modern teachers, haven't you? Neo teachers. We call them neo non-dualists. Haven't most of you been to other teachers? Mm -hmm. Well, what are you doing here? Huh? How come you? What are you doing here? Listening. Well, yeah, because what? 
Because those, those other teachings of other teachers didn't resolve all your doubts, did they? <laughs> they, they left you confused because they didn't have a scientific means. They didn't have a proper methodology for, uh, for handling your doubts, and they couldn't give you that methodology so you could remove your own doubts, which is what we do. We give you the method, the means, for what? For removing your own doubts, and then we turn it over to you. Do the other teachers do that? No, they don't do that. Their teachings are incomplete, they're inadequate, and they're personal. They're based on their own experience. So, do they teach you Dharma? Do they teach you Karma? Do they teach you Gunas? Huh? Do they teach you discrimination? Do they tell you there's qualifications? Read, read Muji's book, Breath of the Absolute. On the very first page, Muji says there are no qualifications for moksha. No wonder there's 5,000 people down at Muji's house. <laughs> there are all the unqualified people are there, and they stay unqualified. <laughs> and there's no method. The method there is just worship Muji, cult of personality. And imagine that Muji's going to what? Set you free, transmit, I guess, some sort of, oh, get your third eyes open, kids. Here it comes, just a minute. Got your third eye open? I'm going to zap you with the the alignment. It's going, you'll feel it, and you'll wake up, and you'll be happy forever. And the guru transmitted it to me. Oh, is it so wonderful? I mean, that's what people believe. So, is it, yeah? There are, there are people who didn't, weren't taught, like Ramana, for example. Ramana didn't have uh, a Vedanta guru, did he? According to his thing. But what happened when he had his epiphany? When Ramana experienced the self, he, he, he pretended to die. Do you know the story? Some of you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, you should read this. It's very interesting. Uh, actually, I, I recounted in the back, in the, in the 15th chapter, 14th, 14th chapter of, of How to Attain Enlightenment in my book. I, I get, there's a whole chapter on it. And he, he simulated death. He pretended that he was dying. It was a little practice that he did. Just spontaneously, he, he did, did this. And he said, when he died, he said, he, he, the, the, the self appeared in all its glory, shining in all its glory. He talks about it in a very strong, emotional, beautiful way. And then he said, during that, during that epiphany, that vision, what did he say? He said, and then I realized that I was the self. Right? Now what 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 did he get what did he get from that epiphany? Knowledge. Veda Anta, 
What did that knowledge do? Veda Anta. It ended his belief that he was wrong enough. But he didn't have a Vedanta guru and study like this. It was only later, huh? Then he went and he did, he did Yasna for 20 year, 15 or 20 years in a cave. Then he did the next stage for 20 years in a cave. Uh, then he, did, he cleaned up whatever was in the, in, in, in the unconscious. And then what does he do? During that Nididhyasna phase, now they don't like to talk about it, the Ramana people, because they hate this notion that you, huh? Even though Ramana himself was a Vedanta teacher and wrote two books, we have them on the website, Sat Darshanam and Upadesha Saram. Those two texts say are pure Vedanta and we in our tradition actually teach Ramana's texts as what? Having the same status as the Upanishads. Understand? And he's, and, and, but the Ramana people don't want to hear that. Because first of all, they don't want to be qualified. And second, they want to have, they think the experience that he had caused the moksha. It wasn't the experience because millions of people have the experience of the self in strong, intense experiences all over the world all the time. I get emails all the time from people telling me about their experiences of the self. But what don't the people get when they have the experience? They don't get the idea that I am the self they get the idea that the experience is the self. And so when the, and they get all emotional about it, and they don't think, when well, that's this beautiful, incredible, transcendental experience, they don't, huh? They don't, because they're so emotional, they're so full of love and awe and wonder, like Arjuna in the, in the 11th chapter, the same thing, a big epiphany, that what? They stop thinking, they don't, Ramana must have been very, very dispassionate even when he was 17 because he didn't get all excited. He, he, huh? he just extracted the knowledge and that knowledge ended his ignorance about him being that little person, that little 17-year-old kid. And he fell into a big samadhi from that point on. And the people think if I act like Ramana, huh, then I'm going to get that experience, and that experience will become permanent. That's what they think. <laughs> so, huh, that's the problem. So there's two Vedantas. There, there's the Vedanta, the means of knowledge, and the, what does the means of knowledge do? In this case, it it, 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 see, it did not come from what? From a teacher for him. But the interesting thing is, he probably had some doubts along the way. And it just so happened that because of this experience he's had, and because he was there in, in Tiruvannamalai, there was another great Swami. In fact, he was called Little Sheshadri. Ramana was called Little Sheshadri when he came to Tiruvannamalai after he had that experience. Because there was a great Mahatma there named Sri Sri Swamigal. He, he was a he was a Brahmin from from Madurai or so, somewhere in was it Madurai Trichiropoli. 
in South India. And he told everybody, you look after this kid. They're the ones that picked him up, cleaned him up, put him in a decent cave, and started feeding him. Understand? And, and what does that mean? That for thousands of years, sadhus, great Mahatmas and sadhus and seekers and spiritual people have been coming to Tiruvannamalai and, 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 uh, and circumambulating that mountain because it's one of the most important spiritual symbols in India. India has a lot of really holy places and spiritual symbols, and Arunachala happens to be one of them. In fact, Ramana was attracted to it because Arunachala was famous. There was this energy there, this bhakti, that had been instilled in that mountain for, what, for thousands of years. And, and so during his time, he, it was well known about him by thousands and thousands of great sadhus and mahatmas and seekers and so forth, Huh? who used to come there, and he would have talks with them. They, they don't, he doesn't say anything about that because he just kept his mouth shut and did, his, did yasana. But he was a normal person, actually. And he met those swamis. And obviously he had some kind of communication because after he, after he comes out of, that, out of the cave, he starts writing all these texts. He makes poems, he does bhakti's uh, poems, all of which are basically Vedanta statements out of bhakti. In Tamil, he makes worships to Arunachala. And he writes two traditional Vedanta texts, which none of those Ramana people read, except one or two. They don't want to read them. Because then they'd have to qualify themselves, and then they'd have to go through the thing, and uh, and and... And, and Ramana is a dead guru. <laughs> Ramana is gone. The, the real Ramana, the self, is right here now teaching every day, forever. There's always Ramanas. There's always the self appearing as teachers in this tradition, teaching the, the same teaching. <laughs> but they don't believe that. It's all guru-centric. My guru, your guru, the special guru. And why do the Westerners like Ramana so much? Because he's a romantic figure. That's all. He's a little man, lived in a cave and, you know, just, you know, ate a couple little things and he was in deep meditation and so forth and so on. It's a romantic. Because the worldly person inside them hates the world and would love to have that spiritual romantic thing. Oh, I'll, I'll drop out of the world, become a sannyasi, and live in a cave, uh -huh, and I won't have to deal with the world at all. Oh, it's so romantic. It's not romantic at all. Living in a cave is, I lived in a cave in India. Huh? It, it was romantic. I, it was as, when it stopped being romantic, I left which was about six weeks. After about six weeks, the romance wore off. Huh? I actually was sharing a cave with a big cobra, and it took me about three weeks to figure it out. And it wasn't a great place to sleep, and it was just yeah, blah, 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 blah. So, no, it's not the only way, but knowledge is the only way. Why? 
because I'm already enlightened. <laughs> if you're already enlightened, and huh? That if you're already the self, you're already enlightened, but but huh? But you just don't know it. You're two thirds enlightened. Everybody's two thirds enlightened. That's right. That's good. That's sixty-seven percent, right? So, but you're thirty-three percent not enlightened. What does that mean? That means you know your existence. You know you exist. So nobody told you that. So you already know that. Nobody needs to tell you that. And what? And you know that you're conscious. Your consciousness. So nobody needs to tell you that. So that you got that's on you. You got you're good to go. You got two two thirds. But but what don't you know? <clears throat> you don't know that you're limitless love. <laughs> you don't know that you're full and complete. That you're free. You don't know that. That's the one third you need to know. The first is called innate knowledge. That's called atmajnanam. In other words, that's innate knowledge, essential knowledge. You already know that. We can't tell you that, and we don't need to tell you that. The third part, we do need to tell you. Because you believe that you're not limitless. You believe that you're lonely for love, right? Huh? In this case, the object we're talking about is love. You want love from an object. You want either an object to love, or you want to be loved by an object. Some people have plenty of love, and they're unhappy because they can't find anyone to love. And others feel that they're, they don't have enough love, and they want to get somebody who will give them love and, and, and fill up the love deficit, fill up their tank with, with some love. But either way, uh, if you're looking for love or looking for security or pleasure or power or recognition or education or any one of these things in the world you're looking for, it means what? You don't know that you're full. So we have to what? We have to remove the notion that you're incomplete. And we do that. How do we do that? We do that by by explaining to you something that you you already know, but you have forgotten. And when we explain it to you, you understand it, and and then what? And then your ignorance goes away. We don't make you believe it. We just reveal it. This is a revealing teaching. Huh? We, these are revealing words. The words reveal to you something that you already know. And then what? And then you accept it because you already know it. It's confirmed in your own experience. Huh? And then you're free. Okay. So, no, it's not the only way. Yes, it's the only way. It's always like that. All the arguments that we get when we teach is, are just about that, are, are created by this notion that 
reality is a duality and that things are an either or. And you may have heard it one way, and then when I speak from another platform, then, then you have a doubt. If I'm speaking from a self's point of view, but you heard about the self from the Jeeva's point of view, huh, and, and, and there's a contradiction, then you have a doubt. And, and we know that, and, and so we help you to resolve the contradiction by explaining both points of view and what the relationship is between the Jiva and the self. It's just, it's simple, it's scientific. There's nothing, there's no mysticism here. There's no magic here. It feels like magic when your ignorance goes. Why? Because you get that freshness and that beauty of that, of your, of that direct appreciation of your own self. You feel great. You feel peaceful, you feel happy, you feel radiant, you feel alive, you feel good. But it's not magical at all. It's, it's just cut and dried. <laughs> I was so astounded when I discovered that with Swamiji. It just didn't take me too long. After a few weeks, I realized huh, that he was just using a formula. And all, all, it, all it had for that formula to work, all it had to do was for people to listen without prejudice just listen with an open mind and and let him take over your mind and and go with him on that little trip that little logical trip he used to say climb on my wings we're going for a flight <laughs> and if anybody claimed it said you know i've got it he'd say well you know don't get too don't don't think it's too good. It's by my glory that you got there because you can't do it on your own without my help. So you better sit down and shut up and just wait to say that little statement till later on, till you got huh? Because without me you're not gonna get there. That's what he used to say. And he was right. Yeah, he told me you you know, you can't just get you can't just write off my energy your whole life long. You got to do this yourself, and and I did. It was not not a problem. It really, it was, in fact, it was fun. Says because we want you independent of the guru. You know, temporarily, guru, as Swami Uji used to say, is a he says Swami, temporary psychological aid. That's what he called it. Guru is a temporary psychological aid. Not a permanent psychological aid. You, you cannot hang, because people hang on to their guru and then they get all disappointed and distressed when, when their guru dies. <coughs> and they think, oh, their whole spiritual thing is lost. Sad. We want you, you know, if you pay attention, if you, if you understand this and you put in the effort, you, you'll set yourself free. I can't set you free because I can only set myself free. Because the I can't remove the ignorance standing in your account. You have a big account, bank, bank balance, ignorance there. Huh? And, and I, I can't spend that away. You've got to spend that money away, that ignorance away. I can, I can get rid of the ignorance in my account, but I can't get rid of the ignorance in your account. And I can tell you how I got rid of mine. 
and how to and how it works, and then you do it yourself. So we're not trying to recruit people. Huh? <laughs> we're not trying to change the world and get famous and recruit people and get big, big crowds and all that. That's what's the point? I might as well go to a rock concert. Huh? There's a big crowd. Everybody gets in samadhi. They all have a nice time. They all walk out feeling high and happy. Huh? Go to, go to a sports bin. Huh? Go to a football game. Yeah, nice big samadhi there. Lots of shakti, too. Woo! The shakti in a soccer match. Boom. Boom. Huh? Huh? So, anyway. So that's the story. Sada Shiva Samarambam Shankaracharya Madhyamam Asmanacharya Payantam Vande Guru Param Param Vishwaro Gurakmeti Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyomabhadyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurtaye namaha Sarva Vedanta Siddhanta Gocharantama Gocharam Govindam Paramanandam Sadguru Pranatoshnam Om Sri Krishna Govinda Narayana Om Verse 36, one achieves devotion. This is how you get devotion. You want to say, how do you get devotion? This is how you do it. <laughs> but by worshiping the Lord ceaselessly. Some nice quotations here. Beautiful. I'll read them. Offering, these are all from the Gita. Offering all actions unto me, unto the self, with a devout mind, live without expectations, possessiveness, and anxiety. Dedicating all actions to the Lord, the one who acts without attachment for the results is not affected by agitation, just as the lotus leaf is not made wet by the water. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you offer as a, an oblation to the sacrificial fire, whatever charity you give, and whatever austerities you undertake, ded dedicate them as offerings to me. With your mind fixed on me, you shall cross over all obstacles by my grace. But if you don't listen, due to egoism, you will perish. It means you'll spiritually die. Doesn't mean you'll physically die. It means you'll spiritually die. <coughs> so what? Worshiping worship ceases. Now how do you do it? There's there's every every action becomes a worship when you offer it to the Lord. There are traditional spiritual ways you can do it, chanting, prayer, meditation, etc., and so forth and so on. But uh, any anything you do can be washing the dishes, 
When I'm washing the dishes, what am I doing? I'm washing the Lord's dishes. The soap is the Lord. You're washing huh? the Lord. The water is the Lord. Huh? I'm washing the Lord's dishes. When I'm bathing my body, whose body am I bathing? God's body. Does this body belong to you? Huh? He says, but you're telling me it's my body. He said, don't touch me. <laughs> no, it's not your body. It's the Lord's body. So, so when you wash your, clean your body, you take a shower, you're giving the Lord a shower. Understand? When you're feeding yourself, are you feeding you? you? No, you're feeding the Lord. Every single thing you have is the Lord and comes from the Lord. So, huh? instead of thinking this is all about me, think this is all about who it's really about. Who is it really about? It's about the Lord. You're borrowing this body from the Lord. When you came here, you don't remember because you were, you were, you know, maybe asleep or something. But but you signed a paper, and it said, "It said, I'm 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 borrowing this body from God, and I have to give it back." You forgot the date, <laughs> but the date is there too. You, but maybe it was a little not so clear. Maybe your eyes weren't so good. You didn't read it, or you forgot. But on such and such a date, the Lord's going to take back that body. That's a contract. You signed that. You know that? <laughs> yeah, well, you think about it. It's definitely the case, isn't it? So this is all on loan. It's like a bank loan. You borrow money from the bank, you got to pay the money back, don't you? Well, you take this body from the Lord, you got to give it back to the Lord. So is it yours? In between? No, it's not yours. It's only yours when the Lord signs it off to you. But the Lord's not going to sign it off because nothing's ever going to belong to you. <laughs> Every single thing that you value belongs to Ishwara, too. And by extension, Ishwara 1, because uh, because there's no Ishwara 2 without Ishwara 1. So, huh? so it all, every single thing is borrowed here. It just doesn't belong. So treat it like that. Treat it. Be a caretaker. Take, huh? You say, okay, Lord, you need to be here in this world to do various things, and you need a body, and you've given me that body. So I want to look after that body. And oh, by the way, you put a bunch of talents in my mind, a bunch of tendencies and talents. And so I'm going to use those talents to what serve the creation, because that's what you're doing here. You're serving yourself in the form of what? This person. It's how you think. They, they have, the, the sannyasis have a beautiful, uh, beautiful ritual. I don't know if you've ever been to any, you've noticed those three marks on their, they, they, on their arms and, huh, and the forehead and on the chest and the legs and so forth. Did you ever notice that? You saw it. Some people have been to India. It's a, it's a ritual. It's called Anganyasa. Anga means the limbs. Nyasa means to install. So it's it, uh, it's it's installing God in your body. And so every morning, first of all, they wash the, the God's body. Huh? They wash the body clean, and and then they take the sacred ash, the vibhuti. What what is the sacred ash? Huh? It's called vibhuti. 
Why is it ashes? Because it's been, huh? Those are your vasanas, your gross, subtle, and causal bodies. Huh? They've been reduced to ash in the fire of knowledge. And you take that ash and you chant a mantra, huh? and you, after you clean the Lord's body, you put the Lord back in the body, just like you clean your clothes and then you get back in your clothing. And so you chant this mantra and you install the, the God in every part of your body. And you, you do that by, by you know, where, wherever it is. What, what is that doing? Well, of course, the Lord is always there. That's teaching you, huh? reminding you all the time. You think of the Lord and that ritual. Every time you do that, what? It just affirms your knowledge and your conviction that you're the self. You put on a, a tilaka. Means the self, etc., etc., etc. So, so everything you do should be for the Lord and should remind you of the Lord. That's that's called bhakti, and, and it should be what? What was the word he used here? Continuous. <laughs> huh? Now, it's, it's going to be difficult if your mind's rajasic and tamasic, isn't it? This is why you need to get a sattvic life to, to make this work best. But you can do it huh? as a karma yogi. You're still doing it because with every action, you're what? You're thinking of the Lord and you're taking the Lord as a, uh, taking the result as coming from the Lord. 137. One achieves devotion by hearing and talking about the Supreme Lord's special qualities in every relationship. Okay. Uh, what are those special qualities? Wherever there's brilliance, wherever there's love, wherever there's kindness, wherever there's some beauty, wherever there's something exceptional, huh? that's the Lord. That's an easy one. <clears throat> what did I write here? A recent study revealed the sad fact that 68% of human speech is what? Gossip. <laughs> huh? Only 68 yeah, I, that's what I thought. It's not so much. That's two thirds. Yes, gossip. <laughs> Obviously, gossip, which is a negative evaluation of others, right, is spiritually counterproductive, even though people's veniality and wickedness is a juicy topic. We just love to talk about the evil of other people, don't we? Uh, why do we do that? Because it makes us feel virtuous. Right? All of these things, calumny, fault-finding, and all these things are, are condemned in Scripture. It disturbs the mind because it's born out of ignorance of the fact that the world is a shining, the world is a shining reflection of God's glory. Well, shining world. Every time you see an object, huh, you should see the Lord. Why? Every time this, you see an object, you should see God. 
How do you do that? How, how do you do that? I, I already told you. You look in the rearview mirror. You, huh? You like every time you see a picture, what? You think of the camera, don't you? But you don't think of the camera because you're fascinated by the picture. But you just take one more step, huh? Think whenever I see something, an object, that object is bathed in the light of my awareness, isn't it? Huh? Not your physical eyes, huh? Because huh? your spiritual eye, because you see what you see with your physical eyes, because awareness is illumining your mind in your eyes your organ of sight is is in your mind so you just huh you just go back to the source whenever you see an object so every object's just reflection of my glory i shine and everything shines after me everything reflects my glory understand Simple, because when is the self not present? When, when is it not present? It's always present. But but the objects, <coughs> were because of our vasanas, <coughs> were so fascinated by the picture hmm, that we just forget who we are. That's got that that fascination is Maya. Maya extroverts that Rajoguna, that Rajas, power Rajas, that projecting power. It's this one here, the red one. That that extroverts consciousness and and forces it to look at what's moving and changing. And because it's a moving picture, it's not a still picture, huh? It, it's always changing. So the world is always new, novel. And there's a lot of variety. It's never the same from one moment to the next. And something new is always coming up. And we're fascinated. What's next? What's happening? What's going on? Wow, I can't wait. <laughs> you know? Of course, we're bored. You know, we're always looking for excitement and so forth and so on because we're bored. Because <clears throat> our minds are dull and boring, and we want some excitement. But every time, huh? But all you do, is whenever you're perceiving, like, see, just think of the light that in which this your perceptions are taking place, and that's you. So the only access to, uh, the only access to. The self is through knowledge. Because <coughs> you're already the self. And just that simple act of remembrance huh, huh, puts you right back to who you are instantly. You don't have to huff and puff and get your kundalini going and zip it up the side <laughs> and have it zip through the top of your head and go into a big cosmic thing and have your orgasm, which you get it to orgasm us eyes with Shiva and, and expect that you're going to live in bliss forever and all that stuff. And spend, I did. I, I spent six weeks. I won't tell you. I got my kundalini experience, but by God, it wasn't worth it. 
because it only lasted three days and it took me six weeks to get a three-day experience. So I gave up on Kundalini. I said, boy, that's for the birds. <laughs> it's got to be easier than that. And it, it's, it is a lot easier, believe me. So... Can I ask a question? <laughs> yeah, sure. Anybody, anybody can ask a question. How does it look to see God in others? I don't see God in others. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, you mean uh, what, what does see mean? What does the words, you said the word see. What, yeah. what does the word see mean? See means? Physically see? I guess. I'll tell you how. <laughs> you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing God now in, in others. To be honest. No, no that's to be dishonest. To be, to be honest, you're actually seeing God now. I know. <laughs> no, not me. <laughs> uh, what's what are these bodies? You, you see, a, see a body. You see bodies in this room. What are they made of? Five elements. <laughs> <laughs> what? Five elements. Oh, you're cheating. <laughs> it's like in school, she's, she's a naughty girl. She's cheating. Yeah, five elements, right? Your, your, your body's made out of air, fire, water, earth, and space. Is that correct? What, where did those come from? Brahman. So you're, so you're seeing those, then you're seeing Brahman, aren't you? <laughs> I miss this bridge. If I look on somebody, yeah, this bridge I I miss. Mm. No, you're not projecting. I told you, you, no, you see, it. you see matter. Yeah. Don't you? Oh, okay. Where, where's matter come from? Brahman. So you're seeing Brahman when you're yeah. seeing matter. Yes. Okay. Huh? Is that right? Yeah, okay. So that statement's incorrect here. You are seeing God all the time. You just don't you just forgot that it's Brahman. <laughs> Yeah, Maya's tricky, yeah. Maya, that's it, Maya. No, no, no. Huh? Absolutely. Yeah, it's huh? Yeah, it's tricky. Maya makes you forget. This is why you got to be consistent. You're doing a lot better. When you first came, remember when I first met you? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> huh? No, you're really doing great. I notice every time, every year... Huh? It's getting more and more clear. But still, there's a little dullness there in the brain. Huh? Huh? Are you still looking for love? Yes. I know. Uh, <laughs> I am love. I am love. Is it 
Good for you, Narayana. Yeah, but the, he had his. If you didn't have the name Narayana, I'd have probably thrown you out. <laughs> I'm a Krishna Bhakta, and, I, and anybody's got a a name like Narayana, they've got a good to go. <laughs> He's very sweet. Huh? He's very sweet. Yeah. James, but the, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree because, uh, oh, no. yeah, because <laughs> even, even if we heard about you and we understand, but it is actually, it's uh, this material, matter. Yeah. It's not uh, Ishvara because it's uh, created. So oh, it's, oh. it's uh, because it's, uh, yeah, here Maya. Yeah. Always, uh, it's, yeah, it happens, but uh, try to always uh, remember what you, you were told. Well, it's not Ishwara. No? So you're saying it's not Ishwara? No, I, no. I say all created by him. Yeah, by him. That's yeah. right. And and how is how does Ishwara create? This is an interesting question. Oh, like a spark. Huh? This is a this is out a, of itself. Out of itself. Now, okay. There, there's two two. This is a teaching. It's called Ishwara. Is called. Upadana karam, karanam, karanam means a cause, and naimitika, naimitika karanam. Naimitika karanam means the intelligent cause. Now normally when you create something, let's say you're a sculptor and you want to create a pot. The, the person who creates the pot that's called the naimitika karna. That's the intelligent factor, right? And then the pot, that's called the upadana karna. That's a material factor. That's matter, isn't it? So there, they're different. The intelligent, the creator, and the and the object that's being created are, are coming from two different places two different substances. One comes from the human being and the other comes from the material element. But Ishwara doesn't create that way. Why, why doesn't Ishwara create that way? Because there's no other place where Ishwara can get matter or intelligence. He can't borrow it. Ishwara can't borrow consciousness or intelligence from someplace else. And it can't borrow matter from someplace else because there's no other place to get it. Is there? Is, is there? is there a parallel universe? So Ishwar is sitting there, he's a big brain. He said, I want to create. And then and then he said, Well, geez, but there's no, nothing here to create out of. I better I better call up and see over in universe number two if we've got any matter. And then I'll I'll send him an email and maybe they can mail me the matter. And then I can use my brain and shape the universe out of that matter, and then I'll have the world. What? <laughs> Is that how, how it was? No. There's no other place to get the matter because there's only consciousness existence. Huh? There's not two existences or two consciousnesses or three or, or others. Place. There's no other place. So 
So Ishwar creates out of its own being. It's both the intelligence and the matter for the creation. So everything here is nothing but what? Ishwara's body. The matter is consciousness transformed by Maya into something that looks like it's solid. But matter's not solid at all. You guys in the science will tell you that. Huh? This, this feels like it's solid for a reason. It needs to feel like it's solid. That's, that's to make it available to, the, to one of the senses, the sense of touch. Uh, so that what? So that the jivas are here can work out their karma. But when you start e e examining, when you start analyzing this wood, what do you get? Vacuum. Huh? Vacuum. Nothing. Yeah. Back to nothing. It goes back to nothing, doesn't it? And it goes to atoms, protons, neutrons, quarks, mesons, pi mesons, and back to space, because all that takes in space. And where does space come from? It can't come from awareness, can it? I mean, you might think it does, but it really can't come from awareness, because nothing comes from awareness. Nothing is... Uh, huh? Well, is, is, is space matter? Well, yes, space is matter because space is, the, is, the, is a, a, a substance that contains all the objects. All objects are made out of space, aren't they? Is that right? Yeah. And, and no, object, no object has any, it doesn't affect space in any way, does it? Does it? Do, do objects have any effect on space? No, no. But the no. objects are space, aren't they? And space, and space is an object, too. Huh? And space yeah, is space is an object. That's right. Space is an object. An object to what? Myself. Consciousness. To myself. There you go. Huh? So, huh? So, look. Okay. There's space from here to here. Is that right? From here out. Endlessly, is that right? Mm -hmm. And there's space from here endlessly out. Okay? Does anybody disagree? There's also space from here to here. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Isn't it? Yeah. 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 Okay, now I want you to watch. I'm going to do an experiment. I want you to tell me. <laughs> and now I stand up like this. Okay? That's true. Space over there, space here. And space there. Now I sit down, and does the space go out like this? No. Why not? This is space. That space. So if I put this space in that space, watch. You're not watching closely. It does go. You watch. I'll sit down fast. No, it's the, it's huh? the air. It's going. The air is going. Space. Huh? It's just all what? It's just the same. Nothing happens, does it? So is there anything there? Is space anything? It doesn't move. You can't see it. Does it actually exist? 
No, it's just conceptual. Yeah. Huh? To, to help you as a physical, apparently physical entity, operate in this, in this karma field. So, uh, so if you can't understand that, then what? Then, then ultimately, yeah. if there is anything called space, it has to be coming from Ishwara, doesn't it? <coughs> it means that the whole thing collapses. That's the it problem. means the whole thing collapses. Yeah. That's right. Mandukya. Mandukya Upanishad. Yeah. Mm. It means the whole thing collapses. And there's no space to start out with. There's only consciousness. Understand? But if you don't understand it, that's fine. Because huh? because this, this apparent reality, this world, uh, is... We teach, have two theories, two creation theories in Vedanta. Two creation teachings. One is the projection teaching. That's the projection teaching that we just told you. And the other is the cause and effect teaching which is easy to understand. So, so what we say is, okay, you got a physical body, then you reduce it to atoms, protons, neutrons, quarks, mesons, pi mesons, bosons, and then, then where's the next stage? Space. And then, then what's left over next? What's the next? Waves or energy. Well, well, no, no, it could be waves or particles. Well, let's leave that out. But we're talking from a substance level. Okay, now, we, now the next substance, the most subtle substance, is space. Then, then what's subtler than space? Something. What's subtler than space? Consciousness. Consciousness. So then we tell you, therefore it must be made out of consciousness. That's a trick. That's a trick because you can't understand the second teaching. But that's a good trick. Yeah, you have to have something to hold. To. Yeah, you have to have some. You have to have some place to start. You need a little foothold yeah. to get into this Vedanta. So, huh? So um, that's good. And later on, it's not that we just trick you forever. When you're ready, then we expose the trick. Now, now, just, now, when you go to a magic show, you know very well it's a trick, don't you? But why do you go then? Because you if, enjoy the trick. Yeah, yeah, because you enjoy the trick. Understand? <laughs> you know it's not real. Huh? Well, this teaching is like that. We keep doing it over and over again. It's a really cool trick. And huh? and, and it does the job. Yeah. That's all. Because at a certain point, you start understanding uh you're able to understand that there's only consciousness and that this world is nothing but consciousness, even though it looks like it's something other than consciousness. Just like that. This looks doesn't look like Brahman, but it is Brahman. It looks like something other than Brahman, but when we make this one step, you yourself said, well, that's Brahman. So you are seeing Brahman. Seeing means knowing. Seeing, seeing eyes are a symbol for knowledge. It doesn't, when we use the word see, we don't mean see physically. We're using the eyes as a symbol for what? Knowledge, because eyes, the primary, your eyes are a primary means of knowledge for forms. 
Now, you hear the word see, then you you think it's physical seeing, and then you say, well, I look at you, you don't look like Brahman to me. You don't, you don't look like the self to me, because you're expecting the self to have some physical manifestation. But the self doesn't have a physical manifestation. It has, there's an appearance of a physical manifestation, but when you analyze the appearance, the appearance, poof, it goes away. The whole universe, when you inquire into it, it just goes poof. And then you say, oh, where did the universe go? Understand? But as long as you don't analyze or investigate, as long as you don't use the method, then the universe stays as it is, the objects stay as they are, and you think they're real and solid, huh? and you interact with them and transact with them as if they were real. You're in a, you're in a dream, and you don't know you're in a dream. Okay. Yes, uh, Georg. There seem to be two different kinds of deconstructions. Like one is analyzing the world outside, analyzing the objects, yeah. and the other one is the location of, of uh, the object teaching, like asking where is the object located. Yeah, that's a good point. Did you understand that? Mm -hmm. hmm? there, you have to speak more slowly. Yeah, I guess so. Hmm? Yeah, there's, there's what, one is what? You, you deconstruct the objects outside, and the others we call it the location of objects. You ask where, huh? it's a spatial thing. It's obviously a spatial, because space is a metaphor and time is a metaphor. There's no actual space and there's no actual time. We use them metaphorically and we have to destroy space and time because they're con concepts that keep us in duality and keep us in the world of change. <coughs> so, so the one is we deconstruct the objects by investigating their source, the origin of their source. And we what? We also deconstruct the world by what? By asking where the world is located. <coughs> where is the world located? Yeah, it, it looks like it's out there, but we did this yesterday. Was it yesterday? And we determined that the, the world was actually in my mind that I am actually not experiencing the world out there, that you don't go outside to experience the world. The world but appears as a thought in your mind, doesn't it? Yes. See, it appears as a thought. So now, okay, now the world is here in me. Now, huh. now then we ask you one more step. What's the next step? Where's the mind? How, where's the mind? Huh? Where's the mind? Is is there huh? Is there is there a, a gap between the mind and you? You? Is there any huh? Is there any space between you and your mind? Huh? Can you find it? Now, try to see now. Look at your own experience. Is there is there huh? There's no separation, is there? And you help me. So where's the let me finish? So where's the world? In me. If the world's in me, is it different from me? No. The world is me. And there is only me. And there is only me. Nothing else is. There's nothing. Very good, Henrietta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's a simple thing. It's not easy, but it's simple. I don't observe my mind. What? I don't observe my mind. I cannot. You, you just, yeah. you're doing, no, you're doing it now. Because you're telling me what you think. You said, I don't observe my mind. Is that a thought? My thought. Huh? My thought. You said, you said, yeah. I don't observe my mind. Yeah, my thought. Now, that is that statement, that's the words, I don't observe my mind. Is that a, a thought? No, yeah? yeah? No, yeah. The answer is yeah. Don't say no. Say yeah. Because the answer is yeah. That's a thought. Well, well, don't you know that thought? But the thought is coming. The no, no, no. no just listen. No, don't, don't argue. Just listen. Try to follow this. You're arguing with me. Well, we can talk with that, about that in a minute. Because you, you, you got a belief now. Okay, now look. You said, I don't observe my mind. And then I said, is that a thought? And you said, yes. Then I said, what? You know that you do observe the thought because you said the thought. Huh? That means you do know the thought, don't you? So that means what? You are observing your mind. Because the thought is your mind at that moment. Yeah, I observe my mind. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I observe my mind. It's, it's then I and my mind is different. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, that's yeah, right. They're, they're, that, okay, that's right. Yeah. The thought is is my is thought is me, but I'm not my mind. Is that what you're saying? Yes. The thought is not the mind. No, the, the, the thought, the thought, but what is the thought made out of? Yeah, the, the thought, but anyway, what I can say is the thought comes out. Of where? Yeah, from me. So if it comes out of you, it's got to be you, doesn't it? Yeah, but... Uh, it doesn't come out of anybody else? Yeah, from me. Yeah, okay, so if it comes out of you, like if you have a baby, that's your baby, because it comes out of you, right? <laughs> if you have a thought, it comes out of you, that's your thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. but it's not me. Well, that's right. Yeah, not me. Well, no, it's you, but you're not it. Because you said it comes out of you. It's got to be coming from you. It's got to be you. Yeah, it's not you. Huh? You said it's coming from me. You told yeah, me. Yeah. So, well, then where's it <laughs> If it's not you, then then how, why do you say it comes from me? It comes out of me. And now, yes, I'm very much confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the babies from out, out of me, yeah. they are not me. The Was the baby somebody else's baby? No, it's not, no. It's my baby, it, but it's not me. Well, how can you say it's my baby if it doesn't come from you? They come from me, but... Uh, but you, there you said it comes from me. Yeah, but... It's, you know, it's, it's not from the body. It's yeah. not from you as the body. I don't know. Anyway, 
You see, the words are come from. That's the problem with the words. They're verbs. So it means it comes from. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. It's doing. It's not the, the baby comes out of me. It's not the I baby. It's not. It's not your baby. No, that's right. No baby's your I'm baby. The They're all Ishwar's babies. Baby. Baby. <laughs> what? I'm not my baby. I. Yeah, you're not, but your baby's you. Don't you say that's my baby? That it, 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 okay. If you say it's not my baby, then okay, I agree. But you say it's my baby. <laughs> huh? Well, if, if your baby comes out and it's not your baby, give it to me. I'll take it. Take responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to take responsibility. I come from God. I know, but and the baby comes out of me. But I'm not God. Because just like my baby comes no, but out you of come me, from God. they are not me. But and you come so, from God. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, but I'm not God. Well, but everything that comes from God is God. Yeah, you say, and uh, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> you say, and I understand. But uh, even though it's the very really, honestly, it's, I understand, and I understand really. But even though, even though, it's uh, difficult. It is difficult. Yeah, this is the most difficult teaching. Because it, it's it's you, but it's not you. Hmm? This is what we said. Yeah, it's, it's always an either or. It's a yes, but. Yeah? The baby's me, because it, it didn't come from any place else. But it's not me, because I'm the one that sees the baby. And the baby doesn't know me, but I know the baby. I the thought, isn't it? But one thing which I I experience is, uh, is something is there, long time ago in me, and now it's same. This experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's all all the time same. So Nothing what is that? Get old. <laughs> yeah, it's oh. old. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Same. Yeah, I thought that <coughs> that's you. Before, okay, before this uh, course, I thought it's my uh, soul. Mm. Yeah, but uh, now you say it's. Uh, yeah. That's you yeah. that's always been here. You said there's something that's always been here, right? Yeah. Huh? That's you that's been always been here. Your body's not always been here, but you've always been here. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. so it's just, it's, no, it's just shifting. You know, it's an important topic. It's, a, it's the essence of the thing. So, it's just shifting your identity to that thing that's always been here, away from the body and mind. When you say that there's something that's always been here. Yeah. It's always there. Okay, well, what about you? That's always there. That's right. You say. Yeah, it. I said I. This is me. I know. Okay, it's that, always there. All right. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah. Now we got it. That's you. Yeah, I That's know. That's right. But uh, I don't know why is there. There's I no said, why. Yeah, not why, but <laughs> yeah. wondering, wondering. <laughs> I, so I'm not why, but wondering why. So why? Yeah. Why? Why? But yeah, but, I didn't know. But the, one day I thought, ah, that's, uh, this is maybe something, something, something. Yeah, that's you, you. <laughs> you have to say the word me. 
So if you call it something, yeah. then we have a problem. Then yeah. I'm then I wonder, well, who's talking to me? Yeah, because I I'm very I'm sorry to say just now it's me. I don't like say because yeah, I'm that, I'm not quite uh, everything. Not sure. Okay, but 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 <laughs> but the point is, you need to be able to say that. Then if you can say that, then you're free. But yes, it's hard to say that because you. That seems like making a very big claim. Yeah, yeah, big claim. A big, big. <laughs> 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 you, you should, but you should only say it to yourself. <laughs> but you can say it here because everybody else knows about it too. Yeah, cool but I think everybody has this. Everybody. Has everybody this knows it. Yeah. yeah, but you should only say it among piece of people who know. Don't go out there and say. It. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we know. <laughs> uh, yeah, good for you, sweetheart. Good for you. Yeah. No, but I don't know. <laughs> do you, uh, let me ask you this: Do you yeah. do you know? Do you know that you don't know? I I can hear actually because uh, I realized love is the only one thing yeah. for lo life. Life. Uh, life is only love. love so yeah. I can hear, but actually, how? Because uh, this you go out and hear, even though you are not love. No, because yes. people are ignorant of, of love. You know it, but nobody else knows it. The people in this room know that, but the, the world doesn't know that Mother, life. I don't say word. Me, me. Uh, I know actually life, life is love and put only love because yeah. I understood everything. Everything is actually taking this, is going away. So... Love is one thing which I really want to give my life for love. So I feel, I'm feeling. So, but uh, in the practice, uh, myself is paradox. This is the problem. Yourself is puzzled? Pa paradox. 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 Yeah, yeah paradox. because even if I know, but uh, I'm very e evil. So, yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. myself is, uh, yeah. Uh, disappoint me myself also even if you know maybe you you realize but it's hard well, you look like so love hard. to me huh? you look like love to me i see love there because you love me you you are love for so yeah it, so yeah. love knows love that's right <laughs> right can you see love here huh Yes. Don't, don't <laughs> I'm married, don't worry. I'm married, I'm I'm Christian. So, so I love God. Yeah. Yeah, so this love, this love. That, that God is love. You love God because God yeah. is love. Yeah. You love love. That's what we're saying. We, I love love. We all love love. Everybody loves God. They just don't know they love God. They think they love objects. But like we just pointed out to, yeah. to Narayana, even the objects are love. They just don't look like love. That's the problem. Huh? So, so we have to we have to dis we have to throw away the appearance 
And we have to know that they're love, even though they don't look like love. You know, like Donald Trump, he looks like a demon. But we know he's love. So, so we're not bothered by his demonic uh, personality. Because we see the love inside him. We, see, we know he's love. We see him as love because he, huh? he is love. But he doesn't look like it. That's why everybody's confused. So, you know, you shouldn't trust what you see. You should question what you see and look deeper into it and see what? See what's really there. And when you really look, you see love there behind everything, in everything. 